And so what's going to happen in the next six months? Um, with Roy not being here, what will we do? So this morning's message, and really it's a standalone message. So next three weeks, just to let you know, next week is Palm Sunday. So you guys get ready for that, okay? Palm Sunday. And then the following week after that is Easter Sunday, which I, I want to invite you to come Easter Sunday. We have about 10 to 11 people getting getting baptized. Okay, that's a lot, okay? I have no idea what to do with them, except, uh, you know, I'm going to hold them down uh, for a long time in the water. I already, I already warned them about that. But come and celebrate with us uh, what God is doing in the lives of our young folk. And a lot of them are college students, and so I'm really excited about that. Uh, so that's Easter Sunday. And also Easter Sunday, I'll let you guys know as well that we have an ex extravaganza. So if you have um, neighbors with young children, Please invite them to come. They're like, there's thousands of eggs, I know. Uh, the Beacon Hill Small Group has put them all together, and we'll have toys out in the front. And then just pray that God will use that to reach a lot of our neighbors and, and bring your friends, okay? It'll be a lot of fun. Right? And there's food, too, so always food here in this wonderful church. Well, uh, what will we do? And so I, I hope this message this morning will kind of set the stage ahead, at least let you know what we'll be doing as a staff and so if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn in the Old Testament book of Joshua, and we are going to cover chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. So the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. And so uh, this is a very famous passage, and so I'll read it, and uh, please follow with me. Starting verse 1, chapter 1. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. And I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant, all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Powerful, powerful phrase. Now, the first thing I need to mention is um, Pastor Roy is not dead. Okay. <laughs> All right. He, he, just in case uh, you guys think that he is, he's not dead. He's, he's gone for six months. What we have in this passage is a series of important transitions. Now, first, it's a transition from the books of Moses, the first five books in the Old Testament is called the Torah. And so it's transitioning from the Torah to the historical books of the Bible. 
And second is the transition of main characters. Now, if you read the first five books of the, uh, the books of Moses, four out of those five books, Moses was the main character. And it was he who took the center stage. And now this transition brings Joshua and puts him into the spotlight. And third is the transition of leadership. Right? Moses, who courageously led the people uh, from Egypt to the edge of the promised land, the man through whom God worked incredible miracles, the man whom God called the servant of God, he is now gone. And in his place is the young apprentice, Joshua, who's strong and faithful but unproven and is given this task to finish the work that God promised Jacob long ago. Now, just, just to be clear, I'm not drawing any correlations or parallels between Moses as Roy or me as Joshua. What I do hope to achieve is to look at where we've been, where we are now, and where we are going, and invite you to join us on this journey. Because honest truth, I cannot do this without you. So those three things, where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. And so let's start with the first one, where we've been. And look at this passage. I'm struck by these words. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Verse 5, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Look at verse 6. You will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And look at verse 7. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. The past tense is incredibly important. Because what we see in this particular passage is that God, our God, is on a mission. That he desires to redeem a people for himself. To draw them into a relational intimacy with their creator. And so if you read it uh, uh, from the first five books, you see through Noah, through, Abraham, through Noah, and then Abraham, and then Isaac, and Jacob, and then Moses. God intends to fulfill his promise, which is to bless the Israelites that they might be a blessing to the world. And so the legacy that Moses leaves behind to Joshua is no less than this covenantal relational promise of a missionary God. And so Joshua, imagine him standing on the banks of the Jordan River. But he does not stand alone. He stands with the promises of God. He stands with the presence of God. He stands with the words that God has given him through Moses. And he stands with the mission of God. And so just as Joshua was directed to remember God's promise and what he has done through Moses, it is good for us to reflect what God has done at SCAC, even as Pastor Roy takes his sabbatical. Now, in 2011, after Roy's first sabbatical, remember, I, I, I still distinctly remember this. He comes back and he gives us this incredible statement. Say, and, and, and this vision statement has guided us until now. And he says this, at SCAC... We are focused on making disciples that love God above all other loves. You see it the next slide here. Um, 
above all other loves, pursue Jesus' vision of Trinitarian community and prioritize God's heart for justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And we remember that, right? That statement is, was with us. And to accomplish this vision, our desire was to produce followers of Jesus who are engaged in what? Relational depth, which Roy defines and, and we define as those consumed by God as first love and greatest treasure. And then we want people to be engaged in relational holiness, those whose relationships are governed by authentic, spirit-driven honesty, repentance, vision, and joy. And in relational mission, those who seek to bring justice, presenting a holistic gospel to the poor and the marginalized in our world. So how are we doing? So how are we doing? And just to let you know, if you're new here, this is what we've been doing for the past seven years. This is struggling through, fighting what it means for us, what it looks like for us. In relational depth, God has raised up four to five cohorts with the goal of training brothers and sisters to be disciples who make disciples. And what really encourages me, because this has nothing to do with any, um, we didn't get together and talk about any of these things. What really encouraged me is that for our leadership team, from Pastor Roy to myself to Pastor Steve, we're all speaking the same language. The language of disciple making. From young to the old. The challenge to call us to be people who are not only followers of Jesus, but who help others to follow Christ, even as we follow him ourselves. And we think about not only our cohorts, but we think about our worship teams now positioned under Monica, a wonderful lady, wonderful leader, and, and who's, who's, who's really has, has kind of consolidated. We hope to consolidate our team as they lead us in praise and week in and week out, in training and community and mutual encouragement. And for the last two years, we've been able to, uh, to uh, conduct over eight prayer retreats, inviting brothers and sisters to connect with, uh, with Jesus through extended time of prayer and meditation and journaling. And these are some of the things that we're doing within relational depth to help grow and mature us. What about relational holiness? Relational holiness. God has put together 13 community groups of all age range, meeting at various times and locations. There's a passion in these groups for spiritual maturity and deeper community. And I love that. This, I know that every time we think about these things, you know, especially those of us on leadership, we think about all the work we still have to do. But I want to just pause and just, just kind of let that soak in a little bit, that we have 13 Small groups, community groups. And I think about our newcomers' luncheon. The, the luncheon that, that's put on by Auntie Lisa and Herman and Laura and others, the, the ones that I wish I can attend, right? Because they're incredible food, all right? But they're well attended. Every single month or, or every single quarter, we, we host one of these, and there's all, all these new faces. It reminds me that God is bringing people to SCAC, that God is bringing visitors and people, and they're coming to visit us. And again, this year, we have probably the biggest group that I've been a part of getting baptized on Easter Sunday. And I hope you will be there to hear their stories, to hear what God is doing in their lives. It's good, yeah? 
And I think sometimes, I mean, I know I, I'm the worst at this. I'm Asian. We don't celebrate. We don't celebrate, right? My birthday comes along. I don't tell anybody, you know, and I get mad when people don't remember. <laughs> you know, it's just very passive aggressive, right? But we don't like to celebrate, and we need to learn how to celebrate. And I like to celebrate, and I like to celebrate you. I like to celebrate what God is doing. And so that's relational holiness. What about relational missions? You know, God has opened up a partnership with World Vision in Tanzania, and that's a growing, and there's a lot of growing pains there, I know. But, but by your generosity, you know, I just look at that list, uh, that, that bulletin board there in the middle of the hallway. There's 276 kids that are sponsored by this church. 276 kids. You know, if, if I had all the money in the world or, or if I had the greatest wish, I wish that all of you can, I put you all in an airplane and fly you over to Tanzania so you can actually meet them and see exactly how much they love you and how much, how thankful they are for you. Because they, honestly, when Julie and I uh, had a chance to meet our kids in World Vision in, in Uganda, uh, the funniest story, they thought that the, the Ugandan the Ugandan kids thought that the World Vision people just made us up. And they just sent us pictures of uh, Americans, so <laughs> white people or Asian people, and said, this is your sponsor, <laughs> right? Because none of them, none of them have ever met any of their sponsors. So they wonder, are they really real? But you are real. And you're loving kids half a world away. You know, in East Asia, we continue to partner with Iris and and we're sending multiple teams each summer. And this year, we're, we're excited to explore a possible new field of ministry in the coastal city of Charmin. And, you know, locally, our, our, our after-school program at UGM continues. And I think this is our fourth year. And our Dearborn relationship with Dearborn International Elementary continues to grow. As you know, what we're getting ready for our third annual Serve Day. And mark it on your calendar. August 20th is, will be our third serve day. And, you know, all of this shows us that there is a place for us, for our church, for you, and for me in Beacon Hill. Now, these are just a few highlights. And, of course, not everything went as planned. But looking back, God has done some amazing work in your lives in my life, and I think it is worth celebrating, okay? So let's just do something really odd, okay? Let's just give a hand clap, all right? And, um, <laughs> yeah, your hand claps are, ju are just, yeah, yeah. Right, so, so, so turn to your neighbors and then just say, great job, thank you, all right? Because the thing that, that I think is really important, you guys, is, is I think that as we do ministry together, as we grow together, as you come on Sundays, you want to know what God is doing. You want to know if God is actually at work, if he's actually doing something in our, in our church, in our midst. And I want you to know that God is impacting a lot of lives. And he's using you and he's using me and using our generosity and all the things that we're doing, that God is using that. And this neighborhood is taking notice. So I'm thankful for you. And together with Joshua, we can confidently say, as we look back, that God was indeed with us. And we can see his fingerprints. So that's where we've been. So the stuff that, that we, can, we can list a few more things, but that's where we've been. So where are we now? 
Where are we now? Listen to these words of Joshua. In verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. Look at verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. In verse 9. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why did God have to say multiple times, don't be afraid, be strong? Well, think about it. Think about Joshua, the strong leader Moses, who led this people for the past 50 years. Now, you count 40 years in the wandering in the wilderness, right? And then maybe add 10 years beyond that. He has led these people for 50 so years. He is now gone. What will Israel do? Will they freeze in sadness and fear? Will they, will they go back to Egypt? So no. See, God tells them these amazing words. He says, Moses is dead. And then he goes, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. Isn't <laughs> that cool or what? Right? Here we are, right? Roy's gone for six months. Right? What are we going to do? Well, I don't know. The only thing I know is let's get ready to cross the river. Let's find a river and cross it. That's how I apply this text. Find a river and cross it together. And so be ready to go where God leads. Be strong and courageous during the hardship. Keep obeying what you hear and read in his words. Don't give up, especially when times are hard and when plans fail. Be ready, be strong, be obedient, be steadfast. These are words for us. And so the same questions lie before you and before me. With our dear pastor gone for six months, what will we do? Will we maintain the status quo, waiting for him to return? Uh, you know, it's really tempting for me. I say, hey, Roy, can I just keep things going, keep things floating until you come back in six months? Six months is really not that long, is it, right? right? So can I just keep it going? So will we freeze in fear? Will we go backwards? Will we stop our cohorts? Will we stop sending people on missions? Will we neglect our after-school program? Will we ignore the needs of brothers and sisters sitting in this room right here? No. What I hear very clearly is the call to get ready. Get ready. Brothers and sisters, turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? Seriously, are you ready? If you're not ready, let's get ready. What does that mean? Let us prepare ourselves for the work that is still ahead. Let's hold fast to the promises of God. Step out in obedience to his commands. Hold each other up in prayer and encouragement. Be steadfast in the call and the mission of God in our lives and in Beacon Hill. So now is not the time to put things on hold. See, there are still too many brothers and sisters who come to our church and are not connected. They end up leaving. 
See, the front door of our church may be wide open, but unfortunately, so is the back door. And so through Christ, we can do better. There are many who visit our church and walk away feeling that we are cold and unfriendly, that only certain ethnicity, certain types of people, certain age groups, certain socioeconomic uh, class are welcome here, that they find their fit here. How many people have visited our church and found no place for them? So through Christ, we can do better. And then there are many sitting here who have been Christians for many years but have never been discipled. You may not even know what it means to follow Christ and whose faith is withering beneath life and disappointments. And because you have never been discipled, you are not able to disciple others. Who it will reach out to them? Who will come alongside them? Who will care enough to do so? And so through Christ, we can do better. And then there are many who go through the Christian life who think that they are following Jesus, but they do not have a God-centered mission for their life. If we, if we serve a God whose mission is to redeem and reconcile people unto himself so that at the end of the age, standing before the throne of God, there is this huge crowd of witnesses, of people from every tribe, nations, and tongues. If that is God's mission, what is our mission? Why are so many of us so unengaged in his global purpose and plan? Why do we spend so much energy building our kingdom and ignore his kingdom? So through Christ, brothers and sisters, we can do better. And I know, I know that there are more issues I can list here. And I list these not to make anyone feel guilty and definitely not to cause you to be angry. Rather, it is my plea for us to get ready to cross over into the promised land. It is an invitation for you to be strong and to be courageous, to be obedient to God's word, to hold on to his promises, to be steadfast in his work. We have a lot of work to do. We have a community, a neighborhood to love. We cannot just sit. We cannot wait for someone else to do it. And I know I'm paid. You guys are generously, you have paid me for many years, and it's my job to do the work. That's so wrong. I'm sorry. The Bible says my job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. If you don't like that, then you take it up with Paul. But I didn't write that. And I love that equipping you for the work of ministry and calling you out to let's go. Pastor Roy's not here. You can't call him up. Hey, Roy, he'll take care of it. It's, it's me. It's you. Let's do it together. And they say, right, they say an organization is very successful when they can function and thrive without their main leader. That means that those in the church have taken ownership of the vision and the mission. And so it does not mean bring me any joy when I'm gone for a couple of weeks and then I hear that tongue, it's different when you're there. I'm like, why? Because I'm big and I throw my weight around and, and I'm intimidating. Yeah, sure. But 
That's not successful. Brothers and sisters, there's much work to do. So let us unite in prayer. And with the words of Psalm 90, verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And so that's where we've been, and that's where we are. Now where are we going? Bringing this to a close. So please hear these incredible future tense phrases in, in the passage we read. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land, and here it is, I am about to give them. Verse 3, I will give you every place, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Verse 4, your territory will extend from, yeah, you notice the future tense? Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9 for, for the Lord your God, what do you say, will be with you wherever you go. Those words sound familiar, right? This is Joshua's great commission. It's a mission of faith. It's a dangerous mission, trusting in God's promises. He says, cross into the land I'm about to give you. I will give you every place you set your foot. Your territory will extend. No one will be able to stand against you. I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so over on the other side, on the other side of the river, you guys, nothing is certain over there except what? The promise of God's presence. And only through obedience will we be able to access this promise that God will be with you wherever you go. And so the question for Joshua is the same question for all of us. It's all who seek to follow Jesus. Is God's presence enough? Do you seek and long for the presence of God and the Holy Spirit? Is his presence sufficient for us to take risks, to be uncomfortable, to sacrifice for his mission? Is he worth completing the task that is before us? Do you long for the presence of God? And if God's presence is over there and he gives us this river to cross, if you want to be with me, I'm going to be over there. Will you go? Will you go with me? Will you take that risk? And so for the next six months, there are three main areas that I am inviting us to tackle, to experiment, to take some coordinated risk. Okay. This is fun, okay? This is fun for me because I get to dream about stuff I can do, and then after six months, if it doesn't work, hey, Roy's back. <laughs> Roy's, Roy's. My bad, my bad. I'm sorry about that put out the fire. Yeah. There's three areas, okay? A church that is welcoming, a place to belong, a clear mission to engage. Okay, number one, a church that is welcoming. What does this feel like? What would it feel like 
for people to walk into this church and be an experienced and more welcoming church. Now, I'm not saying that we're not welcoming. There are some incredible, kind-hearted people here. You are very welcoming. But I'm saying, what would it feel like if it's more welcoming? How do we treat visitors when they first come and to those front doors or to the back doors? How do we help each other, each member, feel God's presence when they enter SCAC? So Pastor Roy, when he, before he leaves, he asked me to help form and train a welcome team for our service. A team whose task will be to care for those who come and visit, to follow up, to give these quick two-minute tours of our church, connect visitor, visitors to other people, keep in touch outside of Sundays, provide prayer coverage, to be consistent and steadfast in caring for those who come and visit us. If this stirs your heart, if this area right here is, yeah, you know, I want to be able to do something for those who come and visit, would you please come and talk with me? Email me, call me, you know, smoke signals, whatever it is, I will be there and talk with you. I'd love to talk with you about that. So what, what if we have a church that's more welcoming? Number two, a place to belong. I, I believe that the greatest tool that we have to connect people and to disciple them in Christ is found in our community groups. And really makes perfect sense. That as the church gets bigger, we must get smaller. And if we are to close the revolving back door, we must help people connect with other people in our community through our community groups. And as we continue to look for the, this community life pastor, we must move forward with providing resources and training for our CGs. And I've been asked to form a team together with Minda and Auntie Lisa to help coach and provide resources and challenge our CGs to be the hands and feet of Christ. And I believe much of the hurt that we all experience come through relationships. And so, therefore, it's only through relationships that we can find healing. So, again, if working with small group, you have a passion for that, if that resonates with your soul, please get in touch with me. Let's talk. The third thing, a clear mission. For what reasons do we desire a more welcoming church? For what reasons do we want a more vibrant CG ministry? Is it so that we can grow bigger and be more successful in the eyes of our peers? Uh, not really. It is simply because we have been blessed by God so that we might in turn be a blessing to those around us. Just like the nation of Israel, God reveals himself to us so that we might introduce him to others. And so the more I understand the heart of God and, for, and his heart for this world, the more I am drawn to his mission and to his purpose. And the more I want to challenge you, my brothers and sisters, that for each of us, let us be about building the kingdom of God, not so much our kingdom. What's the prayer, the Lord's prayer? One of the line there is really strong, right? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that's the prayer, if we mean that, then let us be about building his kingdom and honoring his purpose. And so I want to challenge, 
And I want to walk together with our CGs. And I want to ask you to have a clear vision for outreach. A consistent and measurable way in which you are sharing the love of Jesus with those outside of our church. And not just for our CGs, but also for all of our fellowship groups. Because God is on a mission and he invites us to join him. And then again, if this is your passion, if you have a, a passion for the mission of God, if you have a passion for the outreaching of, and, and loving of people outside of these walls, come and talk with me. Let's make this happen. I need your help. And so there you have it. It's where we've been, where we are, and where we're going for the next six months. And you know this, brothers and sisters, I cannot do any of this without you. This church is nothing without you. So will you join me in praying for SCAC? Will you join me in engaging or re-engaging in fulfilling the mission and vision of our church? You are the church. You are the ones Jesus died for upon you and upon your confession of who Jesus is. Christ says he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. And so I need you, I need us to get ready. I need us to press in. I need us to engage. And so there's a prayer in your outline that I want to close with before we enter a time of communion. Uh, it is written in your, in, in your bulletin, but it, I made it plural up here into the we and our. So I will pray, and then please respond in the words that are bold letters. Okay. Let's pray. For each step that we may take, be our guide. For each load that we may bear, for each mountain we may face, for each river that we might impede, For each place where we may rest. For each sunrise and sunset. Father, thank you for, for being all our sufficiency. God, I can't believe. I can't believe that you, you allow us to be part of your journey. Part of your kingdom purpose. You invite us into your mission. And so God, help us. Help us not. Help us not to check out. <laughs> it's Pastor Roy who's on sabbatical, not us. Help us not to check out. There's work to be done here. There's lives to be loved. There's reconciliation to happen. There's healing that needs to take place. And none of this can, we cannot do any of this apart from you, from your Holy Spirit. We cannot do this apart without re-engaging into the mission and purpose of our church. So thank you, Father, for the beauty and love and the hope that you give us. We give you praise and thanks for this time in Jesus' sweet name. Amen. Invite the ushers to come forward. Invite you to prepare.
you know, as we take this communion together, this is, consider this an invitation to re-engage into the mission and purpose of our church, that all are welcome, that all belong in this place that we call home. the night before Jesus was to die, he gathered around with his friends on a simple meal and simple table. And he took bread and he says, this is my body, take it and eat it. It's bread, my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus then took the cup, simple wine and juice. So this is the cup, cup of my blood, the blood of a new and everlasting covenant. We pour it out for you and for all. Drink of it. Whenever you do, remember me. table is open for all who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Whenever you're ready, please come on down. <laughs>